You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and one, right back to Barkley in a huge hole. Saquon Barkley off to the races and the home run hitter has gone deep here on the second play from scrimmage for the Giants. To Just Science with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. I might be the only person listening to this who's a New York sports fan who's happy tonight. You know, uh, your pathetic Yankees are not you, but most of you guys who listen, they are circling the drain right now. And my Tampa Bay Lightning are crushing the Islanders as we speak, as we record this on a Monday night. About 10 minutes left. We're up 6-2. So uh, I'm probably your most hated person right now. So, you know, haha. But, you know, we're all giant fans, and that's why we are listening. So I will uh, – I'll have a quarter of an eye on the game as we finish up this broadcast, and uh, I'll keep you guys posted with the, uh, the happy upcut, happy recap. Well, this is why we get along so well is because we're both Giants fans, and I could give a shit about baseball or um, hockey for the most part. Um, so – you know, more power to you. I, I'm I'm in a good mood because football officially starts on Thursday. Uh, an update. It's now seven two. There you go. Andre Palat just scored. So I'll be giving these updates as we get into double digits. <laughs> I, I think as somebody we, might have just turned the podcast off right there. Yeah, as, as we get more unfollows by the second, but oh well, it's the playoffs. So everybody's gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, this no, is it's, it's you know throat. So Grump, before we get into it, you know. This has been a very long and rough spring and summer, but this is Labor Day weekend, and we have right now basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, the start of football, baseball is in the pennant race. I mean, it's really, you know, it's pretty exciting. We've never yeah, had this before, obviously. Yeah. College football uh, starting soon. College football, yeah. The ACC starts next week. The SEC starts in three weeks. You know, there's uh, tonight, I think it was BYU Navy and a couple of, uh, you know, independents and, and some of the, the lesser tier conferences. So, you know, again, this is not what we wanted to have the situation, but it's been pretty exciting the last week or so. I've been blowing out batteries on my remote control nonstop. So it's been fun. Um, and it's been it's been a wild weekend in general. You know, the this is the last episode of Just Giants that is part of. Uh, the off-season segment. You know, next episode will be regular season. We're there. It happened. Um, so this is – the training camp has officially ended. Um, roster cuts had to happen by Saturday at 4 p.m. Practice squads had to be all set by Sunday or something like that. I don't know. But it is a flurry of transactions because ever since – what was it, two years ago, they moved the cut down from like – it used to be in tiers where, like, after preseason week three, it went from 90 to 75 or something, well, and then 75 there, to 53. There used to be two cutdowns. I think it was after week two was the first cutdown, and then obviously after the fourth preseason game was the final cutdown. And they eliminated one of the cutdowns about three years ago. And now this year with COVID, you know, they're just trying to do the best they can. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, what that creates is a, a mass of transactions all at once as – you know, there's always surprise cuts. There's always veterans that get cut, you know, due to salary cap casualties. Um, and there's always numbers games cuts where, you know, somebody who every team would love to have, but, you know, there's just, you've got to address everything else. They hit the market and then teams that are, you know, uh, uh, 
deficient in those positions will snatch them up. So it just becomes this – what used to span over a two-week span of preseason all comes through you know, on cutdown day. And now guys are being dropped and added and moved around and people are trying to clear waivers to go to the practice squad. It's madness. It really is madness. But it, it, you know, it's um, – It's unfortunate for a lot of guys too. Like you know, Giants did not have any undrafted free agents make the team. You know, and this is a year that, you know, without having, you know, rookie uh, OTAs and offseason workouts and all these different things, they might have had a more fair shot to make the team. But, you know, this year, you know, we, we have a new coaching staff trying to implement their system. And, you know, it's some guys, unfortunately, are not going to get the break that they probably the shot they would have had in, in normal years. And hopefully guys get picked up on other teams and get a chance to play in the league. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. This year, it's been especially weird. There's been no preseason games for there to be any film on these guys, um, you know, which works to their benefit and their detriment. I mean, if you think about guys like um, Chargers running back Austin Eckler, who only made the team because of uh, the preseason. Preseason game four, I think it even was, where he just went crazy. They had to make a spot for him. Now he's their, their bell cow. Well, look at Victor Cruz. Well, yeah, so the, that's the uh, – Victor Cruz ended up having to be stashed where they kind of said, oh, he's got a hamstring injury. He's going on IR because the Giants didn't think he was ready yet. But because his presence was so crazy in preseason, there wasn't a prayer that he was going to clear through waivers and make it to a practice squad. So they had to IR his ass. But, I mean, nevertheless, <laughs> he made he made a roster. I mean, it, it, in a sense, you know – the preseason does a whole lot for these guys, and you know if they even if they don't land on the team that they're they're playing for in the preseason, they can find a spot somewhere else. And really, this year that that hamstrung a lot of these guys. And with you know with the reporting rules that have been around the league uh, this year for for beat writers, it's 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 even harder because you know they can't really report much you know about where they're getting their reps. If they've moved up or down the depth chart, it seemed because they're getting reps with the ones or twos. You know, it's it's just. Well, it well how weird. about this? And let's take it a step further. Then you have coaches that are continuing the trend, and Joe Judge is one of those guys who just doesn't say anything. So you know, the the information that you know beat reporters normally would be saying, or they're not saying. Fans who would be there, who would be tweeting and taking pictures and posting, that's not happening. You have very tight-lipped coaches that are not saying a word. So it's uh, it's unfortunate for these guys, um, you know. And, you know, the other right thing about this preseason I thought was thinking about was that, you know, you always hear about these injuries. These guys go on injured reserve. You know, a quarterback gets hurt in week two of preseason out for the year. You know, you're going to see a lot more guys that are going to be starting the season and a lot more rosters at full capacity of what they kind of anticipated. Um, So that's another, you know, tough break for some of these guys not making rosters. You know, there's not many open spots that there might've been in previous years when guys went down and there's more availability. So that's another negative for these guys. At the same time, do you think we can expect a lot of injuries in week one or two because there hasn't been a whole lot of live hitting around the league? It's possible. Oh, I, I, I... Believe me, I think this first, I'm going to say through like week six is going to be probably some of the worst football you've ever seen. I mean, we've seen it now. No, I mean, 
We've seen it the trend already for teams like the Patriots who kind of admit Bill Belichick has said that he kind of treats the first four games of the season as this is extended preseason. And, you know, these guys, and that's another goal. That would be 8-2 lightning. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, these guys haven't gone through the normal offseason. They have not gone through, you know, preseason. They hit less and less anyway. No games to play. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty ugly. I'm just waiting for those first, you know, those first articles, those first columns, and those first talking head shows of like, how bad is it right now? And how awful is the league? Like, I mean, I am not a gambler, but I'd be very hesitant to start gambling on the NFL right away. I know you guys can't wait to bet on anything, but what you think, you know, may not necessarily be true in the beginning. It's just, there's a lot of rust being shaken off and teams kind of, coming together where they normally would in the off season and it has to happen on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, and we always see that the first game of the preseason is like, I feel like I do so much damage control on, on Twitter where I'm like, guys, relax, guys, relax. They're shaking off rust guys, chill out. It's not a big deal. You know, there's, there's several weeks to get this turned around. This is the time to be making stupid ass mistakes and throwing seven interceptions. You know what I mean? Uh, that didn't happen this year, so yikes is uh, the best way to put it, I guess. And uh, and just remember that defense is almost always 10 steps ahead of the offense in terms of getting up to speed. So, I don't know, expect some lackluster offense around the league, some real bad you know quarterbacks throwing to empty space because a wide receiver ran a wrong route or maybe well, he's like the wrong direction. I think you'll see a lot of things like, like a lot of missed tackling, a lot of sloppy tackling and things like that too. It's just going to be, it's just not going to be good football. I mean, it, that doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean it's not going to be competitive football and close scoring, but you just might be like <laughs> for, for a while until everybody gets their legs. And, you know, my counter to that is go back to some of our shows back in May and June where I pretty much, you know, put the nails in the coffin in this season. And I am, I am shocked we are at this point. But now I'm optimistic they're going to get a lot of the season in. I mean, uh, baseball, we talked about this earlier in other shows that, you know, there have been some hiccups and there have been some issues with teams, you know, having to not play a week or something. But the longer they've been playing, the less of those postponements have happening. And, you know, all these leagues are learning from prior experience. And, we're going to get this thing started on this weekend. And now don't be so sure with current situations on the ground that they get through majority of the season. Now, who knows what happens with a wave two and the flu and all of this other stuff, which is out of the least control. But, uh, Hey, we're teeing it up Thursday night. And again, I never thought that'd be possible, you know, where we were a couple months ago. Yeah. And it's, it's great news. So, without further ado, the 53-man roster for the Giants has been set. We'll just kind of run through and give a quick little reaction to each position group there. Um, Surprise, surprise. At quarterback, Daniel Jones is listed as the starting quarterback, and he is backed up by Colt McCoy with Cooper Rush has been added to the practice squad. Thoughts? Well, again, you know, Cooper Rush... Was with Dallas before, has, has, has some knowledge of the offense that uh, we were going to, you know, we're going to be trying to do. So that doesn't surprise me at all. 
I mean, really, if you're if you're talking between Colt McCoy and Alex Tanney, you know, with the new coaching staff and it's just who they felt more comfortable in an emergency situation to Daniel Jones. Um, this is not, you know, for the first time in you know 15 years, it's not a situation where you just need a backup to, for insurance. You may need insurance and a little more. You know, if Daniel Jones is really struggling, it may not be a guy who comes in for a series. You may have to come in to replace him for a bit. Uh, so it's just, I think it's just whatever the coaching staff felt more comfortable with. And, uh, you know, it's not going to make or break the season. If you have to, have to go to either Colt McCoy or Alex Tanney, the season's screwed. So they know, made like their Colt decision. McCoy. This this landed exactly as I expected it. And, you know, I know Colt McCoy didn't go to an SEC school, but, you know, I watched him in, in college and I, I thought he would do really well in the NFL. I think he got a raw deal. You know, anybody who gets drafted by Cleveland for, you know, a 30-year stretch there was pretty much doomed and you know you know what happened to him it was highly publicized where you know he continued to play through what was an obvious concussion on a bad roster you know it it, you know I think he got a raw deal and that kind of there's there's a real short time frame for guys to perform in the NFL especially a quarterback so he's kind of rotated around but I think that you know if he has to pop in for a game uh mid-game I think you're okay you know, obviously, if you're already behind, I'm not probably not going to have that much confidence. But if if you got a lead and you need him to close out the game, I think you're okay. Um, you know, Alex Tanny. You know, it's Alex Tanny. <laughs> I I don't know. We don't know much about him. He went into the game. I think he's thrown one complete pass and has no incompletions. So there's that. But you know, I I like Colt McCoy personally. There's three. There's three legitimate possibilities that can happen this year in this particular season. You know, there's Daniel Jones can get COVID and be out for two weeks. You know, because there hasn't been a full off-season program, Daniel Jones his potential could get hurt more likely. Whether him getting hurt or being hurt because you know the offensive line isn't gelled because they haven't prepared and he gets crunched or something. And he's in his you know fifteenth game of his career, he's starting with a whole new uh, coaching staff to deal with that he struggles and may not may have to be benched for, you know, a half or a game or something. So the, the need for the uh, the backup quarterback, not necessarily equating to wins or losses, but necessity more than anything. So they felt more comfortable with Colt McCoy. Right. Um, running, uh, running backs, Saquon Barkley, Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, all made the team with Elijah Penny taking the fullback spot. Um, none on the practice squad. Including, uh, I don't believe anyone has picked up Javon Leak, who was the promising UDFA out of Maryland. A very, very fast guy that many Giants fans are upset um, when he was released is still not on the team. But otherwise, I would say the running backs fell as expected, yeah? Pretty much expected, yeah. We talked about Gallman last week's episode, and, uh, you know, it's not a bad little stable of running backs. You know, obviously you have the home run hitter in Barkley, who's going to be asked to do a lot for this offense, but you know, there's capable backups to you know, give him a blow if necessary, or if he goes down for any period of time. And again, Barkley is kind of like Daniel Jones. If he's out for an extended period, this season's probably over. So, you know, but you're right. We, we thought that Gallman would, would stick. We, we knew Lewis would and, uh, and Penny would be there. So this per, per what we expected. Right. Running down the, uh, the offensive line. I, I, maybe we'll just 
I'll go through the starters first as the depth chart is listed. Uh, so right tackle is Cam Fleming. Then moving from right to left, Kevin Zeitler, Nick Gates at center, Will Hernandez, Andrew Thomas. And then backing them up is Matt Peart uh, at right tackle, Shane Lemieux at right and left guard, Spencer Pulley at center, and uh, newcomer Jackson Barton at left tackle. Um, I would say that this this fell how we wanted it to fall. Andrew Thomas going to left tackle, Cam Fleming winning the right tackle spot, and then um, you know solidifying your guard spots and Nick Gates moving into center because Jalapio and Spencer Pulley, while they did admirable jobs and tried very hard, are not very effective at the position. Yeah, Jalapio, I guess, uh, was offered a spot in the practice squad and he turned it down. So thinking, I guess, that he would get you know, an offer somewhere else. So, you know, again, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, who center is the weak link in the this offensive line this year. And we're, you know, we're splitting hairs over, which is, you know, the best of the worst of these guys. So it's not nothing that anybody should be upset about that. He's not still on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'll be looking to upgrade this position, you know, in the, the offseason next yeah. year. Yes, for sure. Um, practice squad additions were Chad Slade, Kyle Murphy, and Tyler Haycraft. I, I do kind of like what we've seen from Tyler Haycraft um, in what I was able to see. Uh, he's a tackle transfer to center, uh, or, they're, or they're working him into the center role and getting him to learn that. But he's he's very fast, and he gets to the second level very well. You know, it's going to be a big... I, we've seen, you know, transformations of guys move from tackle to center before, so it's not out of the ordinary, but it's it's an interesting transition um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see because offensive line is strange. You know, once you get outside of the left tackle position, all the other spots in the line they get drafted second round to undrafted, and they're effective. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. Dave Dill's mm-hmm. a fifth round pick. You know, Sean O'Hara. I think I don't even know if he was drafted. Chris Snee was a second round pick. I mean, it's all over the map with offensive line. If you're in the right situation and the right scheme and everything, it works out perfect. You could, you know, outkick your coverage and what your potential is if you're just the right fit at the right place. Um, I'll be curious to see what they do at Matt Pert this year. Uh, you know, will he probably pretty much be on the shelf and just taking a year to get bigger and stronger and learn the uh, the, the the playbook and be a, a thought more for next year, or could he possibly, you know, see some significant reps, you know? Not necessarily based on need, but based on you know his development during the season. Right, like if he if he outgrows Cam Fleming. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I we we've seen reported from from some people that he got significant reps on the left side as well. So I mean, he's he at UConn he did play both sides. So I would think for him he's already got the right size, and I think at UConn he was able to use his size to advantage. Whereas in the NFL, that's not really going to work as well. He's going to have to be doing technique upgrades, um, right? But but I mean, again, I, I I think that's interesting as well. I uh, I I think there's a chance. It, it would make me nervous, and I don't think nobody wants to throw him in there because we have a rash of injuries, and it's like, well, he has to be next man up, and we have to throw him in there because we need a body, and he gets, you know, I think he's a guy that if he's brought in at the right pace. You know, we'll be ready to play, and you know when it's his time. So hopefully things work out where we don't have to throw him into the fire at all. Yeah, and just briefly, I want to go over Jackson Barton, um, seventh round pick last year. 
Um, the Chiefs were he, he was cut from the Chiefs, a very good team, uh, you know, Super Bowl winning team. With, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, you know a very good offensive line, you know they were kind of hoping to stash him on the practice squad, and uh, the Giants claimed him off waivers. So an interesting name to to you know keep an eye on. He made the fifty three man roster. He was not put on the Giants practice squad. So. Um, you know, just something to keep it because again, we don't know what can and can't be reported, so we can't really hear anything this year. So, just something to keep an eye on. Um, the tight end situation: Evan Ingram, Caden Smith, Levine Toilolo, and Eric Tomlinson all making the roster. I would say Tomlinson is the strange add. I, I didn't expect them to carry four tight ends, but I'm guessing that uh, that's you know. Jason Garrett's planning on running a lot of two, three tight end sets, and they need to keep an extra guy on the roster. I think it's a little bit of insurance for Evan Ingram, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not exactly the iron horse out there, so maybe it's just, you know, and again, we don't know anything that's really being reported what's going on in camp, and maybe there's something to Evan Ingram that we don't know about that they said, you know, let's have a little insurance for it, so. Sure. Um, wide receiver, there was a bit of a, a shocker there. Um, so here, the depth chart lists, first of all, the depth chart lists 12 starting players, so whatever. But it's because they list three wide receivers and a fullback and a tight end. Uh, so starters are Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton with backups, Damian Ratley, newcomer from the Browns, and CJ Board. No Corey Coleman. Um... Thoughts there? I mean, is that a shock to you? Uh, no. I mean, shock is, is much too strong of a word, so I'm, I'm not using the word shock. I mean, it's a little, little eyebrow-raising they are, but it's not like people are treating Corey Coleman like we decided to cut Mar- Mario Manningham after 12 years with the Giants. I mean, a, a guy with tons of potential who can stay on the field. And I think, you know, for, you know, what his pedigree is and the potential that he shows, he, he never really showed it here because he just never was able to get on the field and stay on the field. And, you know, I, I think, uh, again, if this would have been last year's coaching staff, maybe he would have had a little longer rope with this team. But I think we have a new staff looking at everything with a new pair of eyes. You know, it's just uh, they don't want to go into this with too many guys that are questions about their uh, availability, and I think they just, you know, they just decided to cut the cord. I mean, we're again, we're not talking about this is the number one receiver in the Giants. We're talking about the probably probably four. number four receiver, yeah. exactly. So that kind of let's put all of this into perspective. I know we're going to talk about Ryan Connolly in a little bit. I know, but this is the guy who also had a lot of the attention when the cuts happened. It's like, how can they do this? It's like. You're talking about a, a number four receiver who didn't get a chance to get on the field that much. So let's not get crazy and let's not with the pitchforks or Gettleman and all that nonsense again. I mean, it's not that big of a deal well, okay. this decision. Let's start with one thing right here. This is a coach's decision. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the jackasses who are saying that don't know I'm that. Just, I'm, you know, I think it needs to be said. It's a coach's decision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they came together and they decided this together. One week ago, I was saying – you know, most teams would be lucky to have Coleman as their third and that he would be a third wide receiver on most teams. And we were lucky to have him as our fourth. And I, I stand by that. I think I think Coleman is a good player. Again, though, we were not able to see what camp was. He got a full camp this year with the new coaching staff. And mm-hmm. 
you know, beat writers came out and said while they are surprised by the move, they weren't surprised that a man like C.J. Board made the roster because he had a very good camp. You know, they just weren't really able to talk about who he was getting his reps with, who he was going against. You know, we 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 weren't allowed to know that information apparently this year. So it just is what it is. So when when it comes down to it, you know. There they decided that CJ Board was just better for the team. They went out and got Damian Ratley uh, from the Browns, who did you know off of waivers. Um, and uh, you know, a, a friend of ours who reports on the Cleveland Browns immediately reached out to me and said he can ball though. Um, you know he's only caught eleven passes, but he was really just a numbers game cut at in Cleveland. He's you know that's that's a that's a team with. Wide receivers galore, um, and uh, you know he's a fast dude. He's the deep threat, and he's got height that just isn't on this team at six two. A wide receiver, we don't have anyone that tall, quite frankly. Right. Um, and you know Corey Coleman also was not that tall. So you know that just is what this team is looking for. It's what they think they need for the future. And I could tell you, you know, while I stand by my statement that Corey Coleman would be a three on most teams. I would not have told you that he's in the future plans for this team. So I'm not I'm not totally upended shocked that he didn't make the roster. Um again, I I would have been surprised if he was on the team next year. Just uh so, you know, that's kind of where it's at. Interesting points though uh on guys that made the uh practice squad are a bunch of the UDFAs that people really liked, like Alex Bachman, um Austin Mack, Derek Dillon, Benjamin Victor. These guys all made it. In addition to a guy that was just recently signed, Johnny Holton, who I assumed they were going to put on the 53 for special teams, but I guess not. But, you know, uh, that's all interesting. And David Sills, you know, unfortunately had to be IR'd with a foot injury. Otherwise, I think Sills might have taken Board's spot on the roster. Mm-hmm. All right. So you know, we have a little bit of a, a stable in the practice squad that could be used, you know, as necessary. So. Yeah, I would think Bachman seems to be the guy who would be first called up if needed. Um, He seemed to have a very good camp. Um, He's gotten glowing reviews from the likes of Art Stapleton, whom I trust very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Moving on to defense, what what do we think about the offense? Do we have any really glaring spots of weakness that you can think of on there? You know, we think we're okay, we're balanced, you know. I mean, from what we, you know, the the hand we were dealt with at the start of camp, I'd say so. I mean, let's see, you know, how does it work now? I mean, there are still guys, can they, can still moves be made after this 53? Can guys still be signed off the street and cuts still be made? Or Absolutely. are we frozen with this? At, yeah. any, at any time at this point now. Yeah. The regular season has started. Yeah, so I would say, you know, again, let's, this is not in concrete. This is not in stone. This is not the... You know, what the roster will be, I think you'll see some tweaking again along the margins. I don't think, you know, our main, you know, I don't think we have our main moves anymore. Like, like you saw at, um, you know, like with Logan Ryan type of moves, but I think you'll see some slight tweaking for along the margins in some of these guys. Yeah. I would say if I had to evaluate the offense, I would say that we're, as far as starters go, okay around the board. I think we're okay with Jones. I think, you know, running back was probably the only strength strength of this of this offense. You know, with Barkley and Lewis and Gallman, I think is pretty capable as a backup. You know, in, in what we're trying to do in the offense, which is to you know run, catch, and block. 
Um, the starting wide receivers I think are good. I think T- Evan Ingram again is is good if he can stay healthy. I think the starting offensive line is okay. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. This is a whole new group learning a whole new offense, but you know, it's the best offensive line I think we've seen since before Gettleman got here. Uh, you know, long before that. So, That's a low bar too, though. It's a low bar, but I mean, again, these are these are improvements. I, I would not have said at any point in the last couple of years that the offensive line was okay. I mean, I think if we had a true center, I would say I would have much you know better thing to say about it. But yeah, I think you're going to see a leap next year when Andrew Thomas is going into his second year with hopefully a full off season to you know and for workout getting bigger and stronger, learning the offense and getting the reps. And hopefully having the center position figured out for next year. I think you'll see a big improvement from this year to next. But I definitely think this, you know, let's face it. For everything we talked about the offense right now, it really boils down to two things. Can this offensive line not be a sieve? And can Daniel Jones continue his development by, you know, A, not just, you know, being force-fed plays to do, but actually reading offenses and making better decisions and not being a turnover machine. Those two things happen, this offense will be fine. I mean, this team is going to be a pretty bad team because of the defense, uh, but I don't think it's going to be because this team can't score points. Right. Unless this, is, this isn't going to be you know, the 2007 New England Patriots that are putting up you know, uh, an average of what was it, thirty-one points a game or something? They were averaging some crazy amount of points that year. Some, something absurd, right? But I mean, yeah, the, this team is going to lose games because they can't stop anybody, right? So let's let's talk yeah. about the defense. Perfect though. segue into the defense. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, let's start with the defensive line. I think. Um, uh, so the listed starters are Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson. Leonard Williams with backups B.J. Hill, Austin Johnson, and R.J. McIntosh. No real shocks here, I don't think, at all. No, and I think this is pound for pound probably the best position group we have on the team. I would, you say? I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of starters and for depth, I think this is the best overall group. Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, <laughs> some people are a little surprised that R.J. McIntosh made the team, but again— we don't have any access to training camp, and he really—it's just a matter of limited playing time. I mean, he—he he would be a numbers cut, in my opinion, if he—if uh, he were cut, because this is a deep position group for this team. He offers something of a strict pass rusher from the interior. Um, you know, I—I was—I caught notice of him when doing uh, research on. I want to say Quentin Nelson, but that might not be right. But some some offensive lineman, and he popped up because he just was abusing him. And I believe mm-hmm. I want to say it was Quentin Nelson, um, kind of the only guy that he had trouble with. R.J. McIntosh can do stuff, so just you know, keep in mind that again, this is the coaching staff's first look at him, so he doesn't get any sort of special treatment for being a, a, a draft pick or anything like that. It was a low draft pick anyway, so um, you know. This is a whole new coaching staff looking and deciding that he deserves to be on the team. So, you know, again, he might be going in on some sub packages. He might just be there to back up in case, you know, somebody gets hurt and he's capable. 
but I'm Again, really shocked by this. He, he, he's not moving the needle as far as what this team is doing or not this year. So again, you know, it's an interesting discussion point. Is he making the team or not? But, you know, tell me who would take the spot over him and tell me what real difference it makes at the end of the day, you know, if he's on the team or not. So right. um, practice squad edition is Nico Lalos. I don't know anything about him. Not much has been said about him. So, uh, you know, good for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I guess we can we can dive into the inside linebackers thing now. Uh, I guess I guess yeah, let's do it. the the big the big hubbub here. So starters listed are Blake Martinez and Devonte Downs, with backups Tay Crowder and T.J. Brunson. Notice no Ryan Connolly. So Ryan Connolly, uh, last year's I want to say fifth round draft pick. Had a real promising start to his season. Started way before we expected. Earned a starting spot. Had two really good games before, unfortunately, tearing his ACL at the end of one of the games. And uh, did not make the team. Was claimed by the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, this is one of those situations where because you, we follow the Giants and all of our listeners follow the Giants and you follow Giants Twitter you somehow think, you know, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but he's the familiar guy. And you like the story and the story gets repeated that it's like, he almost becomes like, oh my God, we just cut Lawrence Taylor. You know, he's a nice story. You know, we flashed, but the thing is, you know, in all the time he's been a giant, he's only played just a handful of plays, you know, and, you know, I, again, this is another situation like Corey Coleman where this coaching staff, you know, again, we don't know, but it seems very possible that, you know, can they trust the guy to be on the field? And, you know, giving up roster spots for guys that, you know, going into their second year of not being completely healthy is a risk they don't want to take. And, you know, there are, you know, he's a nice story, played well. Again, he's not Dick Buckus out there. And I think they decided just to move on. Uh, well, I think this situation is a little bit different than Coleman. Uh, you know, this is this is a new guy who you know has only played a couple of games because he got hurt. He has no real injury history at Wisconsin. Um, I you know I'm not going to sit here and, and stamp my foot and throw a tantrum and throw papers at the wall because you know Joe Judge let this man go. Um, you know I'm not a coach a and b even if I were a coach I'm not allowed to see these practices. I have no idea how he looked out there or what was going on. So, you know, I have to trust without any sense of criticism. I can't criticize the move because I don't even know what happened this summer with him. You know, so so for anyone to say that it's a stupid move is kind of wrong unless you actually were able to watch something that I wasn't. But... I was looking at it a little differently than you are. Not so much that people are saying it's a stupid move. I think people were overvaluing what he actually is. And what he kind of brought to the table. It's, you know, very limited amount of time we've seen him. And again, it's not like we're just giving up on an all pro for nothing. I I I think think, I I think that he is a starting middle linebacker in this league. Uh, You know, maybe he needs some time to adjust coming back from an ACL. I mean, I've been saying this. I've been saying this exact thing on the show for weeks now, probably months that you know, we take ACL recovery for granted now. A couple years ago, this was not a couple, you know, 10 years ago or so, this was not a guarantee that guys would come back and be the same. 
you know, oftentimes now guys come back and they play a full season, but they're not what they used to be, and it takes them two years to get back to where they used to be. Sometimes they don't come back at all. So, you know, I was telling people not to get their hopes too high on Ryan Connolly because, you know, he's he was not Adrian Peterson going down with an ACL. You know, he wasn't this athletic freak of nature that comes around once in a generation. He was just an NFL player. So, you know, it was not inconceivable that he would not come back at all or come back at, you know, half his talent level. Nevertheless, I still think that he is a really good player without a, an extensive injury history. And I think that he's going to go to Minnesota and eventually, you know, be an impact guy. I think he'll, in, in some respect, you know, I think he'll contribute. Um, and I think the perception is from fans is that not all of them are super in love with Blake Martinez. And they don't know jack shit about Tay Crowder, TJ Brunson, or Devontae Downs. What they do know is Ryan Connolly. So I understand the reaction. But even that, like, even at the knowing Ryan Connolly, it's like, how much do you really know Ryan Connolly? It's like, we didn't didn't see that much of him to have this, you know, dead on, spot on take on what he is and everything he contributes and, you know, what his potential is and how great he is. I think people just kind of, you know, you think about him as like, you know, it's always like the backup quarterback. It's always the best thing is, you know, you don't see it. You just know it's a, a, a thought in your head. And Brian Connolly became a thought in people's head more than anything else. Right. I mean, you know, for me, it was more like I, you know, we did our show last year the same way we do it every year with the draft picks. You know, all the guys I don't know and I didn't watch any tape on, I decided to watch tape on. And he jumped off the tape for me. And I was surprised he fell as much as he did. And I told people to watch out for him. And then, you know, I think what I said was don't be surprised if he's starting by like week nine. And he started week three, I want to say. Two or three. I think it was week three he started. And I was like, holy shit. And not only that, he looked very good doing it. He looked instinctual. He looked like a second-year player already. So, and, and you know, not just in, you know, the film, but also in stats. I mean, he had, I want to say, a sack and, and two interceptions in two games. is pretty pretty crazy. I would say he was outplaying Alec Ogletree at that point. So, yeah. Again, you're right. It's a handful of snaps that we're going off of, but I I I get the it, fan reaction. It impressive just... ones, yeah. I'm not I'm not knocking him now. These out the door, saying I sucked. Like, no, no, no. That, that's not the case at all. It's just I think people are going a little overboard in the other way by thinking that he's something in their minds, and especially with the year wait for him, built up something more than he actually is. Right. Um. So that is what it is. We're about to see. We're about to learn a whole lot about Devonte Downs, and you know, f- fuck me. Georgia fans have told me enough about Tay Crowder to to get the full fucking picture. Let me tell you, uh, whatever. Still getting replies to that tweet. It's been like two fucking weeks. Um, moving to the the outside guys, um, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Ziminis are listed as the starters, but I, I would take that with a. Grain of salt. In fact, I would take a lot of the defense with a grain of salt. We're going to see a lot of sub packages, but those two are listed as the starters, backed up by Marcus Golden, Kyler, Kyler Fackerel, Carter Coughlin, and Cam Brown. Um, I think the only real surprise here is that every linebacker draft pick made the team, and there were a lot of them. So, otherwise, I'd say the only thing that's a little surprising is maybe the depth chart that they're listed as the starters were um, Ziminis and Carter. 
Was he actually calling it a depth chart, or was he calling? He had some other name this, for it. This didn't is he? this is officially on New York Giants' a website. Yeah, I I would take that with incredible it's grain of salt to anything that's listed as far as depth charts or anything. Right. I mean, I would expect you know you're going to see packages with with Golden Carter and Ziminus all in the field. You know, I think guys are going to be shuffled in and out. You know, and, and that's what you want to do. I mean, that you look back at those, you know. The, the 07 defensive line and you know part of what made it so good is that guys were coming in with fresh legs yeah let, let's look at the end you know i'm more interested after a game is over by snap count how many guys how many snaps each of these guys are, are taking when they particularly are you know is it third and long you're going to see somebody in over someone else uh again with no preseason we wouldn't see it that much in preseason games really anyway but with a new coaching staff and not really seeing anything we don't know how these guys are going to be used. So let's let's get a couple of games in, see some numbers, see what against you know snap counts will be. Let's see, you know, what packages people are being used in. You know, let's see what their substitution formations are, you know, rotations before we get a real sense of who's, you know, who's doing what when. Basically. Absolutely. Um... Jumping into the secondary, uh, this is again the depth chart is going to be situational based on package. So this is the base defense. You're going to be seeing James Bradbury at one corner, Corey Ballantyne at the other. Um, Jabril Peppers is listed as a starting strong safety, and Julian Love is starting at free safety. Um, I'm just going to say backing them up because we're going to be seeing slot guys, guys moving around all over the place, very multiple defense. Backing up those defensive backs are Darnay Holmes, Nate Ebner, Logan Ryan, Isaac Yadam, who was acquired for in a trade with Denver for a seventh-round pick next year, um, Brandon Williams, and Adrian Colbert. Any real strong reaction to any of that? Yeah, let's, again, going back to what you said about snap counts and formations, let's see how many more plays Corey Ballantyne is playing over, you know, uh, Logan, Logan Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, that that's uh, one name you didn't mention, and one name that we believe will be cut in the next couple of days will be DeAndre Baker. Uh, the report's coming out to... Today, I think Rappaport was yeah. reporting that he is going to be released. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the decision has been made. You know, let they're going to cut bait and just kind of move on with our lives. And I saw a couple things on Twitter saying, you know, it was the worst draft pick in Giants history and stuff. It's like, I mean, pound for pound. I mean, I think that's a pretty fair thing to say, but that doesn't mean that it was the worst draft pick in history because at the time it was a bad decision. Yeah. I mean, the insinuation kind of was like leading to me is like that was a bad pick. You pick no, no, poorly. They're, they're different points in time entirely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said this time and time again. The the reports of red flags about DeAndre Baker were all work ethic related. Um, you know, they were in-house team football related. There were no reports, or at least I still have yet to see one. No one's been able to point to one to me that would insinuate any level of criminal behavior, let alone a felony. So, you know, th- there was nothing to that degree. It sucks that they had to trade up to get him, and you know he really you know produced next to nothing in the grand scheme of things, and they're behind the eight ball now in a very very key position of need, and uh, you know it's the way it goes. So this isn't you know 
you can make the argument. I think Eric Flowers was a worse draft pick than him. I think you Just definitely the- could. You know, as a top ten pick, you expect to be your left tackle of the future. In top ten, absolutely. You know, he was picked ninth in the draft, and you know he was off the team, and now he's quote unquote flourishing with an awful team in Washington at a completely different position that you would never draft. Yeah, I would absolutely say that Eric Flowers is a worse draft pick. I mean. Giant fans who've been around around the block know guys like Jared Bunch was a was a complete bust. And, you know, Derek Brown was a was a bust. Uh, Dave Brown as a supplemental pick was a complete oh, bust. Huge, but I grew up with Dave Brown. Yeah, so I mean, would you say even those, Danny Cannell? Uh, he wasn't a first round pick. All right, fair enough. Yeah, and he, I don't think anybody ever thought he was going to be much of anything. You know. In the league, so I don't, I wouldn't put him in that same category. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I was young, you know, so I don't. I remember being excited they got a new quarterback. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is what it is, and you know, it's an unfortunate situation he put himself into, and he's going to deal with the consequences. He'll go through the legal system, but it's not going to be a problem for the New York Giants going forward. And we just turn the page and move on. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about Corey Ballantyne's reps at starting. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I think he's going to be on a short leash too. I mean, I I want Corey Ballantyne to succeed, but you know, he's going to have to really show a lot more than he showed last year. And I know, I know, six round pick, he played at fucking Washburn. He also got shot in the ass. I yeah. mean, for for what it's worth, it's it's kind of in some ways amazing that he played at all, you know, a bullet a couple more inches up and he doesn't have a life anymore. So I have very low expectations for him. Let's put it that way. If he does well, fantastic. But I am, I am expecting, you know, by mid season, his, you know, quote unquote starterness is going to be a distant memory. Yeah. And, uh, practice squad additions were the UDFA out of Albany, Jaron Williams, who impressed coaching staff is one name that did continuous, continuously come up on my Twitter feed from beat reporters. And um, the only draft picked to not be on the initial 53-man roster, Chris Williamson, former Florida Gator, and after that, I believe Minnesota. Well, let's not get crazy with him being a Gator. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, part of why he transferred is probably numbers game, right? He didn't think he was probably going to get any playing time. I mean, that is a big DB school down there, so... Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think that's any slight against Florida or or him for that matter. Um, and then also uh, Ryan Lewis, who there was like a big hiccup with him joining the team. I don't really know what went down with that, but he eventually did make the practice squad. Um, so looking at this defense, how do we feel? I mean, where where is the big? Do we have a big problem? Do we have little problems? Are we okay? We have big problems. I think until we see. The ability to generate a pass rush, other than just scheming up a pass rush and seeing guys who can, you know, make their own pressure until we see, you know, cornerback play on both sides be consistent, you know, until we see what this new, you know, identity of what this new uh, defense is going to look like until we see them play for several weeks, they can kind of get into the flow of playing, I have a lot of concerns. I mean, I think that's a difference in this team being a 8-18 eight eight potentially on offense to being a, you know, a four-win team on defense. So, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. 
I would say I, I feel pretty good about I think this is a very good defensive line. I think stopping the run is not going to be a huge issue. Uh, I, I think that w- what remains to be seen is how we can get to the passer. I mean, Lorenzo Carter, we're looking for big things to step up. O'Shane Ziminis as well. We're looking for um, development. So, you know, based on what I've seen... Yeah. Right, right. Based on what I've seen from them last year, it doesn't look great. But if they're continuing to develop, then, you know, that's a whole other thing entirely. Marcus Golden coming back is big. Even if he's not a sack king, we have a guy who had 10 sacks last year, period. Period. And I call it whatever you want. I mean, it's not like the secondary was great for him last year. It's like, it's someone, time to get it, to the... It's someone you have to scheme against if you're, you know, an offense and you're trying to... Uh... To block him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kyler Fackerel, remember, you know, one year ago had uh, double-digit sacks, I think, or, or very close, like eight, eight and a half. Um, there's a lot of what if. There's a lot of what there, ifs. There's a maybes. shitload of what ifs with, with rushing the passer. I'm not so worried about the run game with the defensive line that we have, um, but there's a lot of what if. You know, one thing is that, you know, a lot of scouts and executives around the league, I've seen this multiple times, that Dexter Lawrence is the second best player on this roster. So, you know, again, he's, he's, this is his second year. So we'll see how he develops, how he gets better, you know, as the game has now slowed down for him a little bit. And he's, you know, one thing that we don't realize a lot is that the game slows down for these guys as the year progresses, but the, the college year and the NFL year is such a difference in length and what's expected of them. And their level of dominance, you know, at, at Clemson, you know, I mean, most of the year is just sheer natural ability they can dominate. Not saying that's him in this case, but just in general. As this game slows down for them their first year, they're also just more worn down. And it, they, they can't, you know what I mean? So that 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 whole offseason, that first offseason for them really uh, can be a big step. Um, the real worry for me is the back end. You know, I like Jabril Peppers, you know, down around the line of scrimmage and covering tight ends. Julian Love has shown promise. I don't like that to be the only good thing I can say about somebody. James Bradbury is is fine. He's a good corner. He's not a lockdown guy. Um, You know, I I have hopes for him and, you know, whatever. But as your number one guy, you hope that your number two guy is, like, pretty similar. And I do not feel that way about Corey Ballantyne. I don't feel that way about Isaac Yadam. I don't feel that way about Logan Ryan. I mean, I don't feel that way about anybody else on this roster. I think James Bradbury is the clear best DB on this team. And and that sucks because I don't think it should be... You need somebody close to his caliber back there. And I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is still a team in progress. I mean, this team, we're not, we're not calling for this team to make the playoffs. We don't think that Gettleman's work is done. There's still a lot of work to be done. And, you know, we will get finally our first temperature check, you know, next Monday night. And we'll have that temperature check throughout this year to see if we are on track for, you know, building a foundation for something substantial or we're just spinning our wheels. We don't know that yet. And that's what this that's why you play the games to see. Right. Real quick, I just want to go over the specialists because I do think there's something interesting there. You know, you know what we expected came true with long snapper Casey Kreider, holder and punter Riley Dixon, who who got an extension. He's punted really, really well for this team. Graham Gano signed as the 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 kicker. Um, you know, good kicker. The punt returner and the kickoff returners. Now, I, I'm just going to list the punt returners depth chart and then the kick returners depth chart. I want to see what your reaction here is. 
for punt returner, Golden Tate, Jabril Peppers, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. For kick return, Darnay Holmes, Darius Slayton, Corey Ballantyne, and then CJ Board slash Deion Lewis. Is there anything that jumps out to you there? No. I think kick return is getting to be an obsolete, meaningless, you know, role in football at this point. And, you know, it seems like more and more punt return is not as important as it was in the game five, ten years ago for some reason. I mean, you don't see that many highlights of that many long punt returns anymore. Uh, I think you're seeing, I don't know the numbers in front of you, but, you know, the, the eye test says that quarter, the coaches go for it a little more in fourth down than they used to. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's they're nice-to-haves, but it's something, like, I don't think it's worth a specific roster spot anymore for, and... You know, again, for kick returns, is it's irrelevant. And, uh, you know, I think out of that group, you can find a competent kick returner who can, A, catch a ball, which is the most important thing for a kick returner, and B, maybe have one little shake and bake to get something out of nothing. But I think my, my main concern here is just how many are starters that are, that are relied upon um... – in a crucial aspect of the game. I mean, Golden Tate, Jabril Peppers, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, those are all starters, every single one of them. Sterling Shepard, I would say, is one concussion away from retiring, maybe two. Um, I would say Darius Slayton is our singular deep threat. Jabril Peppers, I mean, if we lose another starting safety, I, this team is fucked. I mean, I'm not even going to joke anymore. I mean, and this is a guy who had, what broke an arm or something last year? He was he's He missed the end of the season. So I don't know what you do if Jabril Peppers gets hurt. So that's that's the interesting thing to me. And I agree with you about kick returners, which is why I wasn't you know, so whatever about it. I mean, most of that's a kneel down. But punt return, I would say you have a better chance of being injured. Even if you call for a fair catch, there's still a chance you can just get absolutely clocked. You know, somebody taking the penalty just because it's a difficult play, I think, for a gunner to, to be able to react very quickly to a, you know, a last second hand wave. So I, I just find that a little bit interesting. I mean, of course, I think we'll see this shifted several times throughout the year. But I just I thought it was interesting that all four list, list, listed are, are key players in this team. Well, I mean, that's a coaching philosophy, too, that some coaches like to have their best players on the field, like their best playmakers touching the ball as often as possible. That includes catching punts to do something. You know, people, you can't. You can't coach, you can't scheme things for fear of guys getting hurt. And usually the biggest reason why they don't want to have starters or, you know, your elite talent back there in special teams is you don't want them to get hurt. Well, some coaches feel like you get my best athlete is my my punt returner. That's a weapon and that's a, and a competitive advantage I have over another team. So, uh, again, Joe Judge is a special teams coach at heart. That's what he knows best. So, you know, the decisions he's making, and again, with so many names, that sounds like a smokescreen to me more than anything of who will actually be the guy back there for the opening kickoff to watch it sell over his head for a touchback or that first punt, which he's going to fair catch. But, um, you know, that's a little bit of the gamesmanship of having the list. But, you know, we'll see who he picks. And, you know, I'm not going to question Joe Judge's decision making at special teams because, he probably has more knowledge of that, you know, third of the game than, than anybody else on that in that building. So, guys, really, really important thing I'm about to say. Next Sunday, we're recording our first pregame. 
podcast of the year. I'm very fucking excited. This is awesome. Yeah, we uh, again, we did not think we'd be at this position at the beginning of September, but here we are. And uh, we're actually going to have a special treat next week, or torture depends on your point of view. We're not going to have one. We're not going to have two. We're going to have three shows next week. Mm-hmm. How about that? I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but we'll do it for you guys. You know? Yeah. We are going to be, we'll have a, in your feeds next Monday morning to preview the Monday night game against uh, Pittsburgh and, you know, do a quick, what we, our impressions from week one around the league. We will have one in your feeds for Wednesday morning to go over, you know, what happened in the game against Pittsburgh. And we will have one in your feeds Friday morning to preview week two as we start our back to our season uh, schedule of twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Right. Um, It is a little bit different, but uh, it makes the episode shorter. It makes it more interesting. And just, you know, we did, we spent all that time in the summer doing our season predictions and shit. So we'll be hearkening back to all those as we make our actual predictions a couple of days before the game. So, you know, just some things to look forward to. And then, obviously, after the game, we will have our, our reaction episode where we go yeah. through, you know, what the fuck happened, what we think about this and that, and, you know, how they could have won, what what went wrong, you know. I like how I just, in that scenario, assumed we lost, but, you know, we'll, well, we'll get to we, the pregame at, at that time. Th- this will be our fourth season doing this, and we've done that a lot. So, <laughs> it, it's a safe bet that we will be breaking down what went wrong can anything be improved? What's the point of our lives? All that stuff. So, well, 2020 is a new year, man. We're turning over a new life. So if you want to find out all about it, you'll just have to wake up Monday morning and listen to our show then. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right, Let's everyone. We'll see you then. Again, that show is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. You name it, it's there. So give us a quick free sub there, and all of those episodes will be ready and waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. Uh, for your morning drive or while you're working or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, just, you know, you can listen to it there. And uh, as as always, you can find me on Twitter at football underscore grump. You catch me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan. A lot to talk about. Uh, you know, obviously the season starting and everything else going on in a, a very crazy sports year like no other. But uh, now it's actually a fun time. So, All right, everyone. Go Giants. Thanks.